You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Welcome to Lead to Soar. I'm joined today by Erica Jefferson, the president and founder of Black Women in Science and Engineering. Erica, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This is a pleasure and an honor. I'm so excited for today. Well, I was thinking earlier, I can't even remember how we first connected, but I've been following you for a long time on LinkedIn and you have some of the most poignant and important (laughs) opinions and viewpoints, I think, that I ever see on that platform. So I'm excited to chat with you about that today. I received that. I don't always get that description of my post, but I will receive that. I take that. (laughs) So Erica, I don't want to belabor this, but I want to say upfront here for listeners who don't know you, your background is chemical engineering. So you've got a chemical engineering degree, you've got an MBA, and I like to think of it as like you'd put your time in, you worked for several different large companies doing the hardcore chemical engineering work and also working on the business side and sales. So like you did that stuff, but you went on to found BeWise. So just tell us a little bit about that origin story. Why did you start BeWise? So I had to go back before the creation of BeWise and someone I hold dear to my heart. I talk about her all the time when I tell these stories. Had created a, I thought, wonderful event that brought folks from all different walks of life monthly for dinner. And I just thought, what a great way to connect and meet people. Little did I know, as I, and she's a marketing guru, little did I know that I was learning at her knee. And years later, I had started an organization for folks who are new to Houston. And after a couple years and probably hundreds of events, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep this going and turning into a profitable enterprise. And if I had not had done that, which was great proving ground for starting anything, I know I wouldn't have known that combined with going to business school, I started Black Women in Science and Engineering. So Black Women in Science and Engineering came out of going places and talking to other women who were just, they just weren't satisfied. They weren't happy in their careers. They wanted more, but nobody seemed to know how to get more. And so I thought, well, at least we can all come together and share good stories, bad stories, resources, information. And so what started as a handful of of folks in Houston is now grown to thousands of folks here and around the world. Prior to COVID, we had what was called chapters. And sometimes things that appear to be bad things tend to be blessings. I'm not sure we would have grown with everyone stuck in the house to where we are now. So while it was fun to see folks all over the country in the various cities that we met amazing scientists, engineers, technologists, physicians, that two years when we were all on lockdown really allowed us to touch more folks virtually. And so here we are today. Tell us about the BeWise mission. So our focus really, and anyone who has a nonprofit or anything like that knows that there is such thing as mission mission creep, is really focused on getting more Black women into senior positions. And when I mean senior positions, because this is debatable depending on the industry, it's not five years of experience. As an engineer, you are just getting started at year five. But folks are really to the C-suite. And simultaneous to that is also increasing 
the number of women entrepreneurs in STEM. There is a dearth. We think the number of women in these fields in general is small. The, the number of folks who are foolhardy enough to want to start businesses in these industries is minuscule. And so how do we support them on their journey? How do we get more folks in positions of authority to help bring the next generation up behind them is really what we focus on. But we get requests all the time to help children. In fact, I had a conversation maybe a couple of weeks ago. He's like, oh, I work, you know, to help increase the number of women and in, in girls in engineering. And I said, oh, so tell me what you do, you know, with the women. He's like, well, we go to elementary schools and we talk to, to them there and get them. I was like, but you said women, <laughs> women that to my understanding of the definition means you're an adult, right? You're an adult. You're not seven. And so while there's lots of focus on children and rightfully so, two things, both we have an immediate need to stop the leaving of STEM fields by women immediately. We need to do that and we need to correct what's wrong that's pushing them out and causing them to leave. And and I just saw someone post something. I think it's one of our wonderful, wonderful longtime members, Erica Johnson, who talked about the reasons why we leave. And it's not because we want to go have families. I mean, there are plenty of women who have families. I know some phenomenal engineers who probably would have had the baby on the hip climbing up the catwalk. But babies have been allowed to be in factories, of course. So we just need to be focused and clear on the things that are of immediate importance. The same folks who spend millions of dollars on children's programs are the same ones that have no programs for their current employees to develop and get promoted. So our focus really is on that. 100%. So the research actually backs up what you said. So there's a group out of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee that researched why are women exiting engineering? And Mm -hmm. they pointed out the same thing. There's this misconception that it's because women leave because they want to stay at home with kids. It's simply not true. Although there was this really small percentage of women who pointed out that I'm leaving, starting a family, and I'm leaving because I'm not getting the support that I need to manage my work and the new requirements of my family life, which I think is an important nuance to point out because what that's saying is that their employers haven't caught up to the modern family, the modern working way we need to do things in order to keep talent. If it was really about having kids, when they got to be school age, they would have come back, right? Mm -hmm. You start school at six, six, I think, six, six, seven-ish around there. So you, you could have kept your skills up. You could have still been doing some things. And then when they got to go to school, because... Quite frankly, yes, being a mom is a tremendous job, but there are blocks of time when you don't have as much to do as when the kids are physically in your presence. And so I know there are some women who would love to be able to continue using the skills and the knowledge that they gained in these fields. But if you didn't feel welcomed and now you have a family that hopefully loves you, what incentive is there to leave that to go back? to be disrespected or or mistreated or overlooked or all the things that happens to women. So there are a myriad of things. And in addition to that study I saw, which blows my mind when people pay money to study these things that should be readily apparent, that they said the greatest impact on getting more girls into these fields is to see women. 
So I'm like, okay, so you spent all this money on these programs. And if they had only seen more women, that would have been not just a motivator to go into these fields, but to stay. As they say all the time, you can't be what you can't see. Some of this is too simplistic for it to not be intentional. And I always say, regardless whether it's race, gender, whatever, if you continue to focus on a problem that's 20 years from now, right, that you're, you're solving a problem 20 years from now, we need more women in the workforce, so we're going to work on these kids, then you are basically putting off the decision to do the things that are necessary now so that and you're going to dress it up in a nice bow and people are going to take photo ops and things like that. But you're really just pushing that out so you don't have to deal with the, the situation at hand. And we're already seeing that in the in the war on talent, lack of technical talent in this country and probably in other countries where you didn't do the work you should have done 20 years ago to keep the ones that are coming in and are staying. So now they're leaving. So, I mean, can't get mad, you know, because you're the one who didn't do what you're supposed to, right? I want to help our listeners understand how do companies work with BYs? Because I think that's changed over time. I heard you on another podcast and I, I got the sense that there there's almost a bifurcation happening where you're helping members connect with potential employers that they might be interested in, but then there's another path of supporting entrepreneurial efforts. So just talk to us about the work that BeWise is doing and how companies interact with BeWise. So to be honest, we've been doing this for many years, helping women improve their skills and be more marketable in the workforce. And it wasn't until after George Floyd's murder that companies started reaching out to us. I mean, I had probably been in business three or four years and doing basically the same type of work. And I can't even remember. It seems like a lifetime ago because we've had so many wonderful organizations that have reached out to us but say, hey, I saw those women, those women engineers. How do we get in contact with them? We sure would like to talk to them. Well, I won't give it all to my MBA, but I was like, yeah, I do. I do actually know a lot. So she, I mean, we doing credit card. What are we doing? PO. <laughs> right. This has value. If you say that there is a lack or a, a small number of folks that you deem ones that you want, then you have to pay for that. And so that has been, I think, an education both for for women that don't work anywhere or don't consider working places where they don't think it's important to put effort in to attract you. That's, I can tell you, all of us probably have worked somewhere and on that first day of work, we're like, oh, a mistake, right? So let's shortcut that. These are companies that, that reach out to us and partner with us in a myriad of ways that I can't guarantee that they don't have people who are not good people on their payroll. I can't guarantee you that. But what I'm saying is certainly there is an effort or a desire to both be equitable and also realizing from a, a financial standpoint, listen, we got to get butts and seats. We got to get people to do this work. We can't just sit because we can't find bros to do this work, right? Especially folks who have contracts with other companies to provide goods and services. You, I find a, a contract with you to give me this. I don't have that. I'm going to go to your competitor if you can't provide me with that. I don't care if you can't hire folks. So what started off is probably a little curiosity. Well, what the heck, work with her. I think we have some wonderful relationships with some major, and I'm almost, I'm always astounded. Like most people, when they start companies, you know, they start small or medium and work their way up. But right out the bat, we had some very major 
uh, global conglomerates that reach out to us to partner. And we've truly enjoyed working with all of them. We've learned so much from the different industries. And I always say, as a chemical engineer, that I have my fingers in everything because I learned from these, both from the, obviously, the members of BeWise, but also from the company. So now I got to learn about aviation. Okay, now I got to learn about food manufacturing. Now I got to. So it's been really great, I think, on both sides in that we're helping to dispel this myth of the broken pipeline. No, it's not broken. Actually, you as a chemical engineer, you've hindered the laminar flow (laughs) of engineers that are are able to to come into your organization by your behavior, your marketing, your whatever, your brand. And so it's not a lack of us because I promise you, not a company in this country could hire all the engineers that are members of BOI. So there is plenty of talent out there. Does it look like the traditional image of engineer or scientist? Absolutely not. And that's a good thing, right? So we've been very fortunate and we look forward to continue to partner with our wonderful organizations in, you name it, pharma, aviation, medicine, you name it. We have so many wonderful folks that reach out to us. Tell us about your quarterly career fairs and how companies get plugged into that. So I'm learning and I always tell the story for people who ask me about entrepreneurship that I was a reluctant or accidental entrepreneur. So I am like building the plane as I am flying it. And so we first got a request from a company to have a job board. And I was like, hmm, that sounds like a good idea. Started the job board. <laughs> and then they said, hmm, do you have a career fair? Hmm, no, let me find out how we can do that. And so we're so happy to partner with Brazen Technologies, who's a wonderful partner in providing this quarterly career fair because although annual conferences are wonderful, I doubt that very many companies have only hiring need once a year, right? And so especially if things change during the year, so you were as you were and then you bought another company or you were acquired or something like that. So the rest of the year, you may need talent and, you know, those that time has passed. So we try to meet the organizations where they are. They do not, no one, because their hiring needs may not be year round, but no one, I don't think, has come to every last one of them. But many come to most of them or at least half of them. So we have something so that, they can keep up with their immediate hiring needs and also help build their pipeline and, and keep the brand relevant. I am astounded, but I'm not astounded by the lack of marketing that is done in HR. It's like you have videos and all kinds of things to get people to buy your products, but hardly anything to get people to work there. <laughs> it's kind of strange. And so we like to say that while you may not attend, our career fair, we want certainly our partners. We want that brand to represent an employer of choice for everyone because we are diverse. And what I've learned in this past year is everyone is well, everyone was always welcome. But we want to make sure that that's clear because we, we don't have time to deal with foolishness and chicanery. But everyone is welcome at our career fairs and they are very, very diverse. And I think it kind of, I always say that we want to be the least problematic vendor of these organizations. They have so many things going on. People are hiring, people are laying off. And so if we could just take that part out of their their responsibilities and make it easier or fun or just more responsive to this demographic of folks, then we like to do that. So we basically make it so that it is a foolproof, both for the attendees and for the companies they come 
and are able to see both the breadth of talent that is out there. Hopefully, if they've got open jobs, they've got some good candidates that they can hopefully shorten their cycle time down because that's one of the things I think I'm proudest about and having this now second year, we're, we're closing out our second year of doing these career fairs, is the ability to actually connect, meet, hire in under a month. That's unheard of, which is, that's a whole nother conversation for another another show. But 90 days is a ridiculous amount of time uh, to be trying to hire talent. Uh, so Yeah. Tell me about it. And especially when right now you've got these engineering companies saying that they're desperate to hire people. I've got a friend in my network who went through a nine month process to get hired for, we're talking like a mid-level project manager role. Like, are you kidding me? So right off the bat, her experience is so bad that you don't feel allegiance after being treated that way to the employer. Anyway, I digress. So Erica, without naming names, I want to say that I, I worked for a company in the past that they, just like you said, did not invest in recruitment efforts in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And here we are, and these other industries have moved on and embraced the idea of recruitment marketing. But mm -hmm. in engineering, you've still got these people with mindsets of, we're so great. And it's so obvious that the best talent's just going to fall over themselves to come to work for us. And mm -hmm. that's just not how it's going to work today. So point well taken. I want to ask you, from your perspective, you've got these years of experience and you have a your thumb on the pulse of the experience of Black women today in science and engineering. How would you say that the career experience for Black women has changed for better or worse since you started compared to today? I certainly can't say it's better. I think it has been changed because there's always good and bad of, of everything, demographic or whatever. So what I have seen is the things that older generations tolerated the young generations are just not having it. And now, could go totally the wrong way. I've seen situations where folks have just walked off a job, right? You left the machine running and you just walked off. That's not good. That's not acceptable either. But I always say, sometimes your chickens come home to roost when you least expect them to. So companies don't have clean hands in this the whole concept of ghosting. Whenever I have ghosting, I just roll my eyes. I was like, that's called responsiveness to the folks who are applying. So if it's wrong not to respond back to people who take their time to interview, I, I'm, I'm going to let them slide on just the people who apply, but who interview, who get dressed up, who practice, who lose sleep the night before, who take the day off to drive all the way or fly over to interview with you with, let's just keep it real, far less qualified folks, right? I have a degree of engineering. The recruiter has a, a, a degree in rhythmic dance. And you can't even automate your ATS to send a note saying thank you for spending time. And then you want to mandate people send cover letters? Absolutely not. I mean, I hate to say this. But it is what it is. I, I try to be a truth teller. 
HR is going to go the way of secretary pool. It just is. It is. It is. It's just going to go away. Once they figure out how to cut costs and get all this automated and all this stuff, artificial intelligence. I mean, you. It, contrary to what people say, oh, it's the human touch. It can't be the human touch when no human has touched me. You can't keep claiming it's human touch when the human has touched me. Right. So, I, like I said, it certainly can't be worse as far as the feelings of the job seekers, right? So whether you get ignored by a human or ignored by a computer, doesn't matter. Mm. However, I'm concerned about the built-in bias that is going into this technology, which is why I think it's so important that diverse folks of all walks are involved in this because once it's baked in there in the black box, going to be almost impossible for them to change, right? I'm already seeing folks saying they're having one-way interviews, recording it. Now, not only are they making judgments based on how many times you blink in the interview, they also have access to your likeness. So there's just so many things that are important right now. And, you know, I have some wonderful friends who do wonderful work in HR, but anyone who follows me knows my thoughts on that whole process. The whole hiring process is broken. That's why we try to make it easier for our wonderful partners. So let's try to unbreak your system, right? So this is one right. less thing you have to worry about. We're going to make it easy for you. They're right there. You can talk to them. You can send them messages so that it's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. So yeah. what is going to happen to your point about these engineering firms? Because right now they can say, oh, just no talent, just no talent when they haven't done anything. You haven't done anything, especially from our wonderful I'll call them blue chip companies, right? Who've been <laughs> who've been around for a hundred years, and I'm like, okay, so that meant something to the the previous generations, but that is a negative to younger folks. Younger folks, I don't want to work for an old stodgy company, so they're not even keeping up with what's going on in the world. And I'll tell this little, little story real quick. There was a very well known company. I won't name who they are. And they still had that mentality. Oh, we're such and such. Oh, we're such and such. So they went to a very large global conference and they got, they got seated in the back. They got seated. They could see Apple. They could see Amazon. <laughs> they were in the very back. And they were like, I can't believe we're seated back here. I was like, look around. Look at all the companies who are seated around. They're all like 100 years. 100 years old, does that register what that means? You don't have the same prominence you did back then or even 10 years ago. So I think it's going to be a reality check because as more folks do get hired, they will lose that uh, that excuse, right? So if you're seeing your competitors, that's and you, that's how I work. That's, that's some of the tough love I give to our corporate partners. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't, we also work with your competitor and, and you know, they're doing it. But don't, you know, you you don't worry about it. I'm, I'm sure it's going to work fine for you. You're talking about how these organizational leaders need to bring their thinking into the modern age and the future indeed. So what else do organizational leaders need to know from your perspective about attracting and retaining talent and especially Black women? What's your advice? More tough love. Oh, boy. I'm going to say this so I don't get into too much trouble we have turned over the reins. I'm not going to call them out, but you can probably figure out who I'm talking about. We have 
turning over the reins to a business function that is singular in their concern in the world of business. They don't have the education or the experience to understand that a company is made up of many facets, many functions, right? You could have the world's greatest marketing team, but if your supply chain function does not work, guess what? Customers can't get your product. And very soon, that brand is going to go down the tubes. So there is a function that believes that people will know. There is a function means that means profit over everything else. Profit over quality, profit over reputation, profit over legal uh, ramifications. And they are both harming and exposing their organizations to legal repercussions. I'll say that. And so, and especially when it comes to technical companies, especially when I see folks making decisions, I'm like, you didn't even have high school chemistry. I'm trying to figure out why you're sitting at the table making any, you, you shouldn't even have any input. Why do you have an input? My example always is when I worked in manufacturing and places that were in, as we know, if you worked in engineering and manufacturing, remote places, to hot climates, and they didn't want to either cut the grass or paint equipment. That was always my thing. And the justification is the cost savings for painting equipment. Anybody who's worked in these environments, you know, you, you don't paint. Nobody paints equipment because it's pretty. Now, the people appreciate it's pretty, but you're really protecting your equipment against the environment, against rain and heat and sun. And so that is basically an insurance policy to make sure that, you know, nothing is going to happen to it catastrophic and cause other damage. But that is my example when this particular function decided, you know, we don't know anything about anything, but we're going to make the decision that we're not going to do this. I personally think those folks, anyone who makes decisions like that, whether they're at the top or mid, should be held financially liable. You should be held financially liable. If you make a decision at your company that jeopardizes the safety or the profitability of that company, no, we're not going to fire you. What we're going to do is take that money out of your paycheck for the rest of your time here and then hold you liable after you leave. So you make those accountants sign Sarbanes, obviously, right? They have to sign mm. that, that I attest that this financial information is correct. Start holding folks liable for the decisions they make. So I want to switch gears in a moment to talk about advice for women. But before we do, I want to ask you to touch a little bit on the ask for free labor that happens. BYS gets asked for a lot of things. We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the ask to volunteer to help with kids things and why we have a focus on supporting women, particularly to get into leadership roles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, helping children is very far outside of that mission, Mm -hmm. right? So we're Mm -hmm. mission focused. Mm -hmm. But talk to us about how these asks come up and why they're so problematic. Making sure I'm 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 being politically correct. <laughs> I think number one, there is just, you know, uh, a belief that underrepresented communities are all underprivileged. And that of course there's no black doctors. So we must help these children. And as I said, 
To be someone who has advanced degrees or a terminal degree, and you're talking to someone who has a degree in rhythmic dance, what are you talking about? Go get someone who's got a little bit more meat on the bone. At this age, at my, as the kids say, my big age, I just, I can't even entertain these conversations with folks in that space anymore. But we really have to understand that the, the problems that are facing this country and this world, you know, bias and artificial intelligence, they need immediate, immediate solutions. People working on them right now. If I had 50 cents and I had to decide who was going to get it, I'd have to say, okay, because honestly, I always say this, anyone could help kids. If you took algebra, you could help a kid. You don't have to have an engineering degree to ha- help a child get have an interest in science. So you do it. If you don't have a technical background, you are not qualified to provide technical advice or experience or whatever to college students and grad students. You just don't have that. So focus on where you should be and you do it. You do it. If, if kids need help, you do it. And let those of us who are on the cutting edge or should be working to ensure that technology is equitable and fair for everyone, focus on that. I've had folks with PhDs say, I want to help school children. I know for a fact that the PhD process is arduous and traumatic for many folks. And maybe they don't want to relive it by helping other folks get through that process. But we've got to stop this reaching down to help kids. First of all, and I know everyone doesn't have access to everything. For me, where are the parents? Where are the parents? Why is everyone helping everyone else's kids, especially for folks who do have kids? I've got to do all of this. I've got a job, kids, husband, dog, cat, grandparents, cousins, and someone else's kids. So let's put the responsibility more on the folks who are responsible for helping their kids get to successful adulthood, teachers, school systems, churches. And then let the folks, because I don't think folks realize how critical we are, what critical things are as far as technology. We're at the, right. the inflection point where it's about to go real bad real soon without enough folks who understand the seriousness of, of what this means. Artificial intelligence is not coming. It's been here, right? Foundations of things have already been built with bias in them. We're already seeing that. We need folks right now, today, as of whatever time it is working on this. We don't have time to help kids count one, two, three, or make robots dance. You do it. I don't have time to do it. The other ask that you've written about that that comes into BeWise is basically, it's another form of free labor, and it's asking to access your networks, sometimes for research or other Mm -hmm. reasons. Just speak a little bit to the the problem around this. I mean, I think it should be obvious that asking someone to do free labor is a problem to begin with, but just help us understand a little more about these asks and why they're so problematic for you and Black women. I wish I could say that this was uncommon just for me, but everyone, you probably have experienced this. I probably don't have anyone in my network who's doing work to help us all that hasn't experienced it. And it's it's usually, I won't say they're well-meaning because I can't lump all of them in that category, but that's why I've been I've been saying this. I, I lightweight, lightweight say it in jest, but I kind of do mean it too. The belief that a stranger would stop what they're doing to help you make money 
and not expect to compensate them is got to be a sign of being a sociopath. Like, I feel like that's a, a judgment or a, like that's a telling trait on who you are as a person. Now, if we strike up a conversation, you're like, oh, I'm working on this. Then I have, you know, the choice to say, OK, this is strategic because I know they don't have money or, you know, sometimes connections are worth more than money. Then that's that's a conversation to be had. But I'm sure you and many people that I know are getting unsolicited calls from people, not just, hey, what books on engineering do you recommend, but whole projects that they are reaching out to ask folks to do for free. I've had folks who are about to get million dollar grants send me contracts, not just, hey, can we have a conversation? Send me a contract to promise, legally promise to market their programs. You're a sociopath. (laughs) There's no other, there's nothing I can say about that. You're a sociopath. Yeah. I'm not a psychologist, but I feel like there's could be several different things happening. In my experience, as a white woman, I can give a talk that has to do with gender equity and even include something about pay gap and wealth gap in that mm-hmm. talk. And in the mm-hmm. next beat, somebody from a company, a company that makes a lot of money in the engineering mm-hmm. space will ask me to do something for free for them. Mm-hmm. And it feels to me that Part of it in that type of instance is this idea that women are supposed to be helpful. Like if Mm -hmm. they're doing something out in the world that's for Mm -hmm. some good or whatever, then they're just supposed to help. They're just supposed to volunteer and Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. But when I read some of your experiences, when you call this out, there also seems to be a little bit of white savior complex as in, Oh, we're going to reach over and help these black women because because they need help to find a job as if they don't have the credentials and expertise and experience to do this without you. Yes. I try to disavow them of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Disavow them of that because, and the reason I, you know, like I said, I say it in dress, but I also mean it. If it's a good thing, if we're all talking about, you know, altruism and doing what's right and helping people, then why are you getting paid? Why are you getting paid? You should volunteer your salary. If you're (laughs) trying to help, then you forego your salary. How about this? I I said, the next person asked me this. You know what? That's a good idea. If you will donate your two-week salary and not get paid for this work, I'll agree to do it. Crickets. Crickets. So that's why I said, yeah, there there are a myriad of things. And I agree, you know, there is that white savior. I don't give very many of those because they're like, oh, my God, what is she going to say to us? I don't give very many of those. I just I get folks. And, and like I said, I say innocence. But if you innocently burn my house down, my house is still burned down. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you didn't intend to do these, but you also didn't have the the thinking to understand why this is wrong to ask. And that's a problem. And while I can't change you, I can't disrupt your thinking. I can, for this moment, have you pause. And if nothing else, never come back to me again. Because <laughs> that's to me, that's a time waster. I could be helping a woman in her career or a company, you know, find talent. And this is how I look at it. This is why I'm so about it. You're wasting time. You're wasting my time. Google it. Google it. 
let's switch gears a little bit. What would you like to talk about next? Do you want what's on your your mind here as far as women supporting women? Mm. Just something that you would want to share with the lead to soar audience. Oh my gosh, there's so many things going on in the world and you just got to find a bright spot. You just got to find something that delights you. I don't care if it's a piece of dark chocolate, which is very good, by the way. Find something that delights you, that makes you happy. It could be something insignificant. But I feel like that is probably the greatest thing in the world. We So many people don't have anything that brings them joy. And I, I, I don't know if I posted it or I have it in draft. was going to talk about the difference between nice and kind right? Nice is very temporal and also has connotations. I did this so that people can think I'm nice. But if you're kind, that's from the heart. You do that because you care about humanity. You care about people. You know, that's the right thing to do. So I would just encourage folks, turn off the TV, stop doom scrolling. There's so much work to be done and so much opportunity. I don't think probably never in the history of mankind has there been so much opportunity for women and all folks, of course, but women in particular to get involved. One of our, our focuses is in is in biotech and it's so broad when you say biotech that encompasses so much, but there's so much opportunity to cure diseases and make people's lives better. And I wouldn't be able to do this work if I only focused on the 50% of bad stuff that happens every day. And you have to have boundaries. That's one thing as women, we don't always have boundaries. The kids are pulling me this way. The parents are pulling me this way. The husband's pulling this. So have boundaries. If I had to kind of surmise or, or pull all this together, have boundaries. These are things that maybe 99% of the time I will never wave. This is the way it is. And then have something that brings you joy. I personally love to connect folks. Nothing makes me happier, especially to folks that I know personally connect. And we've gotten away from friendship and community and just taking pleasure in seeing someone else do well. You know this. When I see, oh, I always do this. I always say, brava. Or I love when I see folks doing wonderful things and I want folks to know about them and cheer them on and, and just be appreciated for the recognition. So for all the shenanigans that go on, I have boundaries because I'm responsible for my mental well-being and my my health and, and mental health. Nobody else is. And so how I do that is having something that just makes me happy that I can reach into. And I think as we all grow older, that's the difference between aging well and not aging well. You have something that keeps you getting up in the morning and makes you happy despite all the terrible things that may be going on in the world and in your personal life with your family or you yourself. Have that and let's care about each other more. If you want to go, what's the saying? If you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with someone else. So how do we support? If nothing else, let's support, if you just support all the women. Just start supporting women and encouraging them and lifting them up. Just imagine the impact we can have. And that will shut down a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Erica. Where can folks find you and be wise? Oh, my goodness. I'm everywhere. I feel like I am all over social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, absolutely. Twitter as well. 
Facebook to a lower degree as well as Instagram. And so our handles are either BeWise or you can find me, Erica J, on LinkedIn. We also have a website, www.bewiseusa.org, where we put a lot of our content and other things that we're doing. But I just hope everyone will get engaged. If you are a scientist, engineers, or technologist, and reach out to me, you will be automatically connected. If you are not one of those things, I would encourage you to follow. We're trying to build a community to help each other. So if you're not one of those things, we'd still love to hear from you. Still would love for you to see our content. Maybe that can inspire someone to to make a career change or something. So those are all the ways that you can reach us or see me, contact me, see my shenanigans. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Erica. Really appreciate it. Always happy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.